Hello and welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. It's the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show sponsored by Betfair and it's a pleasure to be back for a full slate of VFL action and myself, Ali Maxwell and him, George Alec, making our betting picks, which means that this podcast is for over 18s only and we ask that everyone listening be gamble aware. Uh, think about things like never betting more than you can afford to lose, never chasing losses, being disciplined with your staking. There's a lot of other information at begambleaware.org. Please do brush up on that uh, at any point if you're thinking of placing a bet. Last week... Yeah, you and me, we can ride on a star. If you stay with me, girl, we can rule the world. I can't believe I just did that. Rule Satiru, injury time winner, 11-2 to two for Orient against Exeter. Absolute bedlam when that went in. Uh, he'd already missed a tap-in from five yards. He'd had a header glid off the line, and then he picked it up 35 yards out. Bang. Strode forward unleashed hell for us uh, that was a big moment Cole you my nap coming in as well at 13 to 10 uh, my Grimsby draw no back next best was a push as Bradford equalized late on that was a shame uh, and Omar show me was a void because uh, show me no money <laughs> didn't show up at all uh, that was my bad uh, Matt Gray didn't pick him and I, I should have seen that coming um, and the other centre back Goodliffe scored which was fun George how did you get on middling Swindon won, beat Sutton 5-3, which is my, my NB. Uh, the nap, glad I went DNB. Uh, one-all draw between MK Dons and Notts Counties. Just her money back. Louis Marsh was an annoying one. He didn't start. Came on with 50 minutes to go, which makes it a loser any time at Wrexham, which is a shame. And Walsall did beat Salf- Salford, but didn't beat them to nil. No excuses, but minus, what was it, 1.13 for the week. It's a, it's a no-excuse culture on this high-performance would podcast. never. I'd never make an excuse. You know, you're, there's no such thing as an unlucky loser, ever. What's your best bet in the EFL this weekend? My best bet is Blackpool to beat Wickham at 17 to 10. Um, it's at Wickham, so basically picking prices. So the market agreeing that Blackpool are the better side. Um, but with home advantage, meaning that Wickham are, are kind of slight favourites here. Uh, Wickham are probably the team in the EFL that I am um, kind of looking to, to oppose basically wherever possible. It's... Interesting to note, looking at their kind of numbers this season, they've scored four goals from from um, set pieces already in, in, over the season from 2.53 xG according to Opta. When you consider that uh, in Blackpool they're facing the side who have the fourth best xG against in the league, um, with only 14 shots, which is the fewest of anybody in the league uh, against them, they're probably not going to have as much joy uh, from set pieces as they have done over the course of the season. I don't really think it's the blueprint for success. I mean, know that Matt Bloomfield has come in and tried to get them playing a bit of a different way. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, all credit to them for making the set pieces work. But in the same way that Stevenage are a set piece side that you can kind of rely on, I don't think necessarily that Wickham are, and Wickham have scored just one or fewer goals than Stevenage so far over the course of the of the season thus far. So, and I haven't seen a great deal in open play to make me too enamoured with what Wickham are doing. Um, I think they have shown kind of little of, of of huge note, and unlike Blackpool, where you've got a side who, in my mind, haven't really caught light yet, but are set to. You know, you consider the win last time out. Uh, which came against uh, Wigan, who they beat Wigan 2-1. They've only lost one game this season, which was in that 3-0 defeat against Lincoln. They had that weird run of not scoring a goal for, for four and a half games, uh, which came to an end in that win over Wigan. And the, the manner of it, you know, Kenny Dougal scoring late on to give them a, a deserved victory. Jordan Rhodes, not a signing that I'm particularly keen on myself, but, you know, getting a goal um, to kind of kickstart his Blackpool career. And, you know, when you consider Neil Critchley's start at Blackpool, 
um, in the season they went up, it was a bit of a slow burner. And as the team began to gel, suddenly they kind of blasted through everybody that was set in front of them. So you've got a kind of a, a, a team and a manager in Neil Critchley, who I think is proven at the level. In, in my mind, you basically got a Wickham who have, perform- have overperformed in terms of points tally, their actual performances. A Blackpool side who I think have been unlucky not to pick up more points. And right now are probably both being, one being overrated, one being underrated. Um, I would have Blackpool as favourites for this one. I think they, as we say, they won't give Wickham the change um, that they've been getting recently. You look back to early in the season where Wickham were beaten 3-0 by Exeter and Lincoln. I think a result like that is probably coming. You also consider Wickham's fixtures where their last four games have been against Leighton Orient, Burton, Bristol Rovers and Northampton. So I think there's loads of reasons to think that in this coming well, certainly Blackpool and Charlton next up. It's not going to be quite so easy for them. And I think Blackpool are going to start on the winning run again. So 17 to 10, my nap. Blackpool to win at Adams Park. Yeah, also in League One, my nap. And it's Bolton to win away at Reading. They're 11 to 10. Uh, so just a shade of odds against with the Betfair Sportsbook. And uh, this is one where I simply think uh, one team is, is a lot better than the other team. Uh, pre-season, I thought that Bolton looked the best team in League One. When we weighed everything up, uh, it doesn't always mean that six weeks in, the reality is that. But right now, I can confidently say, having seen six weeks of League One football, that Bolton looked like the best team in League One. Um, last seen here beating Derby before the international break, very much aided by a, a red card for the goalkeeper, Wildsmith, that has since been rescinded. But still, I think even if you strip out the, the goals, the penalties, the refereeing incidents in that game, Bolton still look the more comfortable side and the better side. Uh, they've had one defeat so far in, the, in League One this season, and it was a complete aberration against Wigan. They lost 4-0. It looks horrendous on paper, and their defending of Wigan's transition attacks in the first half wasn't good enough. Um, they still managed to rack up 2.5 XG in that game, Bolton, and managed to score no goals. So I'm, I'm pretty happy to draw a line through that one but if you if you consider that performance and result in with the other five it's clear to me that that's the exception to the rule I'm looking for teams early in the season that aren't just getting wins from tight games that from even games and there's a lot towards the top of league one where I think that applies I'm looking for basically consistent dominant performances and I think Bolton are the team that fit that bill the most in league one three of their four wins have been definitely that 3-0 win against Lincoln, a 3-0 win against Cheltenham, a 3-1 win against Fleetwood. In all three games, they've flown out the traps. Their game plan has been brilliant. The players have been on it from minute one. They've scored early and then they've just squeezed the life out of their opponents. It's not been a case of getting in front and then sitting back and letting the pressure come onto them. They're really confident, Bolton, and they've just squeezed the life out of uh, three teams already. I think that basically suggests they can do that comfortably against the lesser lights of the division. They, they travel to Reading, the hosts. Now, another three-point deduction for Reading yesterday after their owner failed to deposit enough money into an account for the club's monthly wage bill. I think it is likely that there will be some form of fan protest and unrest uh, to try and draw attention to the situation and to put pressure, more pressure on the owner to sell up as soon as possible. However, even though that context is important... Uh, I had already made the pick before the deduction was applied and the price hasn't changed since... The 
off-field stuff for Reading isn't the reason why I'm picking Bolton as my nap. So it'd be disingenuous for me to make that a big part of my reasoning. But it is, of course, important context. Reading on the pitch, two wins, four defeats this season. Both wins at home. I think if you look a little closer at them, we can more or less draw a line through their win against Stevenage, who went down to 10 men after 20 minutes at 0-0. That's obviously a very different game after that. A 1-0 win against Cheltenham which came through an own goal after half an hour. They did see it out fairly comfortably against a Cheltenham team that hasn't scored a goal in the league yet this season. They weren't comfortable or dominant, I wouldn't say, but they did see it out. So not a huge amount to take from their wins, I wouldn't say. Their defeats may be similar. Uh, They've lost to Exeter, to Port Vale, to Cambridge, three of the early pace setters. They've lost all of them by a single goal each time, so they're not getting battered by any means. But I watched that Cambridge game live on Sky and I was pretty unimpressed in possession from Reading. Didn't seem to have many ideas in possession apart from pump it long and hope that we get on the second balls. They were trying to engineer transition attacks and it worked occasionally and that is somewhere they could have joy against Bolton. They do have some speed on the break but overall I just I think they're still looking understandably a bit behind in their development because of the chaos off the field that Ruben Sellers has had to deal with. Loads of young players with with little senior experience. Um, I'm enjoying getting to know the youngsters and I've been impressed by a lot of them individually. But it's a team game and Ian Everts had things in place at Bolton for years now. I think they're a lot better and I expect them to win. They're my nap, 11-10. to 10. Bolton Wanderers in League One. Next best? My next best is Crawley Town to beat... Tranmere at 6-5. to five. Now, Tranmere come into this with Nigel Adkins, an, an interim charge taken over from Ian Dawes. What's the biggest room in your house? The room for improvement. The room for improvement. Gosh. You are a Nigel Adkins advocate, if you know that quote. Mm, I, I'm not sure I am. I mean, I, I don't think it, you have to do too many mental gymnastics in order to think that he might get some kind of an improvement from Tranmere off the back of Ian Dawes. Um, you think back to his previous managerial uh, role, which was at Charlton a couple of seasons ago, and he didn't do particularly well. I mean, not many people do at Charlton or have done at Charlton in recent years. Um, but I just think that the Tranmere squad looks pretty weak. When you look at their um, results over the course of the season, they have lost six of their seven games. Um, the only respite was a 3-0 win over relegation joint favourites, Harrogate, which they lost 3-0. So you could have made excuses, and I think I did uh, before the Colchester game, saying, look at the fixtures. You know, it's been Wrexham, Notts County, Salford, MK Dons and uh, and Barrow. Take out Barrow from that, you've got four of the favourites to win the league. But the worst performance came on Saturday, where they went to Colchester, who'd only won one game so far, and they were absolutely battered. Yes, the scoreline was only 2-0, but Colchester were the better side by miles, created loads of opportunities, didn't concede too many chances themselves. And in Crawley, Tramier come up against a side that I am still absolutely convinced the market has not got to grips with at all yet. Like, I, I really genuinely think Crawley right now are operating as a top half side. They had that weird 6 0 game against Swindon where, you know, I don't think they were as bad as a 6 0 scoreline suggests. But if you just take that out and you draw a line through that as a bit of an aberration, they won three games against Newport, who started the season well, MK Dons, who were top of the league before last weekend. And Bradford, who, yes, have not had a great start, but you still would anticipate have a top five or six budget. A draw against Salford, which they should have won. A three-all draw away at Stockport, which is one of the hardest games you can possibly have. And then a 1-0 loss against Gillingham. And we know that Gillingham basically win every game 1-0. So I think their fixture list has been really tough. I think they've built up a decent points tally. I think on paper, this looks like their easiest game of the season so far. 
and Scott Lindsay has built them into a really impressive side. Like Their scouting from non-league has been exceptional. Adam Campbell's come in and looks a real talent. Three goals in his last two games in from Gateshead. Uh, we've seen Jay Williams come through and, and really impress players that we knew from their, from their last season, such as Dion Conroy's built a really good punch with the back with Will Wright. There's just a lot to like in what Crawley are doing. Like It feels like the players from last season have stepped up and the players they brought in have over-exceeded our expectations. So this pre-season looked like relegation fodder against a side that might be a bit better than that, but the roles have been reversed. I think Crawley are a side that look well clear of the bottom teams in the league, whereas Tranmere look like they could be one of the worst. So I don't believe in new manager bounces, as regular listeners to the pod will know. Yes, we might see an improvement, but I think it'll have to be a massive improvement to stop Crawley from winning this. So at six to five there, my next my next best. My next best, Cardiff City to beat Swansea City in the big one. 7.45, Saturday night, live on Sky. The atmosphere in Cardiff for a 7.45 kickoff on a Saturday night against Swans. Lively. I can't I, believe... I, I don't understand how that's happened. How's that been greenlit? Given that every Oxford-Bristol Rovers game gets moved for police. <laughs> like the amount of midday kickoffs I've had to do that. I'm not angry about it. I think it's going to be an incredible watch. And I'm back in Cardiff to win. Um, now, uh, historians of this fixture will know that it's it, it's quite a fascinating one for a hundred years or however long that these two teams have been playing. Neither team had ever done the double over one another until two seasons ago when Swansea did the double over Cardiff. And then last season when Swansea did the double over Cardiff again, uh, they've got the bragging rights. It won't surprise you to hear that just as George doesn't really care about new manager bounces, uh, I couldn't care less about historical bragging results. Rights. Or historical results okay. between two sides in a derby game, really. I'm a bit more interested in trying to work out how good the teams actually are. Rather that is than, what I try and do too. Rather than the weight of history. And that's led me to, to Cardiff. Um, they're 19th with four points from five games. The points tally looks low. And I think there'll be people just glancing at the league table, seeing Cardiff and thinking maybe this is the same sort of Cardiff that we've seen for the last year or two. I wouldn't agree with that. And I think early season context is really important. Uh, and for Cardiff, well, they've already played Leicester away, Leeds away and Ipswich away. So if you take pre-season betting odds as a, as a proxy for sort of team rating, there's an argument that Cardiff have already played three of their five hardest fixtures of the season in the first five games. And in two of those, they were 2-0 up. Now, they didn't win either of those games against Leeds and Ipswich. In fact, they, they went down 3-2 to Ipswich. So do you take the positives about them being ahead and clearly having a good game plan in those games or the negatives about them sort of succumbing to pressure and ending up uh, not winning those games? I'm probably leaning towards the positives, to be honest, but um, that's kind of a, a personal thing, a subjective thing. In home games against Wednesday and QPR... They've conceded three goals. Um, they beat Wednesday late with a penalty. They lost to QPR. Again, it doesn't look great, but it's QPR. They were they were caught cold twice on the break. Um, I would say it was poor concentration rather than anything structural. And, and Wednesday's goal was a Bannon worldie that you can't do a huge amount about. Again, more broadly, they only faced 17 shots across those two games, which is not a big number. It's not like they were being sliced open at all. So... They've conceded 10, Cardiff. I guess what I'm getting at is I'm not ready to say that they're a terrible defensive team. Um, I think that'll slow down. I think the, the goals against Colin will look a little healthier in a few games. And that I basically think that they're a team performing at a good level with a much higher ceiling than they've had for the last few years, particularly the way that they attack, which I've really enjoyed. It seems like they have a plan in possession, a plan in the final third, certainly really dangerous on the counter-attack from what we've seen so far. Um, 
players like NG, Wintle, Aaron Ramsey, all playing really well. Ugbo has been sweeping up and poaching in the penalty box. I think they're in a, a lot better health than maybe the league table would suggest. I can't say the same about Swansea. They haven't won yet this season. They've been poor. This isn't a case for me of, oh, they've just been on the wrong side of it a couple of times, you know, playing okay, but just not finishing their chances. I don't think that's the case at all. And I'm conflicted because I like Mike Duff. I admire him and his managerial career so far has been sensational. I think there's a trend of his teams improving as the season develops. Like his Barnsley team didn't really get going till late October last year. But there is still a sense of panic because there aren't that many terrible teams in the championship this season. So it doesn't take a lot for a team in Swansea's position to get really sucked into something. So they need to kind of stay strong. Maybe the international break would have helped. Duff was absolutely scathing after their defeat against Bristol City. At home, losing that game against not Cardiff City, but another team that they really like beating. So we'll see if his team responds well or poorly. But first three games of the season, they went behind in all three basically before they'd offered anything of their own. Um, they managed to respond against Cov and, and Birmingham to get one all draws. And away at West Brom, uh, they lost 3-2, having been 3-0 down. It's the last two games that are the real red flags for me. 2-1 uh, defeats to Preston and to Bristol City. Uh, against PNE, one really nice attack. Patino to Ashby, good goal. 1-0 up, threw away that lead, lost 2-1 with a bit of a whimper. Bristol City at home was even more concerning. Again, going ahead, lovely pass. Patino, he's probably been the bright spark, through to Cullen, who scored, and then just giving up their lead again and playing really, really poorly. Um, they're not creating from build-up. They're not creating from pressing. They're not creating on the break. So it's uh, it's not been a great few weeks for Swans, and I'm a bit worried about them. I think that Cardiff are a much better team from what I've seen so far this season. The fact that they're at home uh, at 2.55, 31-20, 20, I think represents great value. And that's why it's my next best. Going to be a good one to watch either way. Um, I'm going to mention Match Odds 90 now. Uh, this season's big offer from Betfair. The uh, markets with a 90 icon uh, apply for Match Odds 90. And it means that if the team that you bet on is winning when the clock hits 90... That's a winner, no matter what happens in added time. You can also build Ackers with the Match Odds 90 market as well. Uh, make sure you read the T's and C's to understand. Um, but if you're interested in having that injury time insurance so your bet doesn't get scuppered, the Match Odds 90 market uh, is something to check out on the Betfair Sportsbook. Have you got a goal scorer for me that's definitely going to start the game? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's good news. I've got a first goal scorer pick. Ooh. Um, Macaulay Langstaff at four to one. Um in Notts County's Friday night trip to Salford. Uh, yeah, I mean, as mon Monday listeners will know, I think Salford have to be the biggest uh, disappointment so far in the EFL season, where I can't really work out what's going on, but they are just week on week a very poor side. And we saw last week, you know, I tipped up Walsall to beat them to nil, Walsall beat them 2-1, which is frustrating, but also kind of buys into the whole idea that they just aren't very good right now. Um, and with Salford... Looking through their games this season, they went 1-0 up on... I mean, they, they won the game 2-0, but they went 1-0 up um, against Forest Green on opening day when Forest Green had been the better side up until 1-0. They then didn't score the first goal in a game until the Walsall game last time out where they went ahead and then Walsall came back and won it 2-1. My take on Salford is that they basically are very poor at creating chances until they're behind in the game then have to kind of come out a little bit. Um, against Tranmere that happened where they were 1-0 down away from home and they ended up winning the game 4-3 but up against Notts County side who were definitely disappointing last time out in the in the one-all draw away at uh, MK Dons 
I can't really see why Notts County wouldn't be the better side here when it's um, ele- when it's uh, 0-0, 11-11 early on in the game. And then you consider that Macaulay Langstaff has, after a slowish start, has really started to get into the kind of positions that saw him score 40-plus goals last season in the National League. He's already got 5.5 expected goals already this season. He scored four goals, so he's underperforming his XG, which I think is probably something we, we don't really expect. Uh, he's scored two in their last two. Um, he is, to me, kind of finding his feet at the level. And if I'm right, and if uh, Notts County are the better team at 0-0 and do take the lead... I think he is quite clearly and comfortably the most likely player to score that goal. And you look at the odds, he's 4-1, to one, McGoldrick's 9-2, to two, and then even, you know, players like Colin McElhaney and Callum Hendry, 11-2 and 5-1. to one. So, like, there's not much between them. In, in my mind, in that kind of four-horse race, Langstaff is the favourite by miles. So, at 4-1, to one, you know, I'm, I'm not that interested in the 7-5 um, anytime. I'm happy to take a chance that Notts County will score first. And if they do, he's eminently the most likely. Yeah, his, his underlying numbers are as strong as you'd have hoped. Uh, 0.72 xG per 90, 0.18 xG per shot suggests, as we know, that he gets very good chances created for him in good areas. 3.91 shots per game. So uh, I think I said on the Monday pod, didn't I? He seems to get two big chances on average per game. Uh, and that's what I you think want. you might get more than that on, on uh, Friday night. More than that. Mm. Five uh, big chances. Five. <laughs> what I like is that big chances, famously, as a football stat, has different meanings to different data providers. Mark, so, so for me, it's so, <laughs> over 0.02. I was going to say, when you've, when you've bet on a player to score, your threshold for a big chance is like so low. Yeah. Um, a shot blocked from the edge of the box, big chance. Mm. That was a big chance. Look, for my goal scorer, you're going to have to... Uh, give me a little bit of leeway and let me do something I don't like to do, but I think there's reason to do it. I'm going to pick a player to score, um, but there's a big caveat: if he isn't starting, no way, no way. Because I, it's from I the same me. game. Well, but I don't think you can caveat your pick by saying if he doesn't start, then I choose, then I change my pick. I'm going to anyway, um, because I, I want my point back. But you didn't make that clear because we never do that, and no, we've never done that. Okay. Otherwise, we'll give two picks every time. Okay. I'm going to talk about some goal scorers. You can decide what, what happens next. Um, I was disappointed when Shomi didn't play last week. Um, and I want to make sure that if a certain player plays, we're making the most of it. And sitting here on a Thursday afternoon, I want to talk about that player. There's, It's not 100% that he will start. Um, so it's Cesare Casadei. Uh, he plays for Leicester and they're playing against Southampton on Friday night. Uh, we've spoken quite a lot about both teams, uh, Southampton and Leicester, over the last few weeks. Not always positively, despite good points tallies. Um, you've questioned what you're seeing from Leicester a fair bit, and I've questioned what I'm seeing from Saints uh, a fair bit. I think ahead of this game that Leicester are going to cause Southampton a lot of problems. That's probably the thing I'm most clear on here. I think both teams are vulnerable in transition because of their styles, but I actually think only one of these teams is keen to make the most of counter-attacking opportunities and have the players to do so. So uh, Mavadidi is my pick. Steffi Mav- Mavadidi is my pick at 3.75. Um, I think that, albeit Dewsbury Hall had that game on opening weekend where he scored twice. Um, since then, Mavadidi's had the more shots, the higher XG uh, amongst the Leicester squad. And I think being the sort of speedy, skillful wide forward, 
Um, he's going to lead a lot of those transition opportunities. So I like Mavadidi 3.75 to score for Leicester. That's my pick. I'm going to talk about Cesare Casade randomly as well for no reason. (laughs) Um, I'm desperate to be back in Casade when he starts for Leicester because of the price of him right now. Um, He is going to play in a very attacking number eight role, mirroring Dewsbury Hall on the other side. That role has been occupied by Wilfred and Didi so far this season and Dennis Pratt. And... Kazade has to have been signed for that role and it's a much better fit for that role than Ndidi and it is a role that is very 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 attacking it's not a role for for build up it's not a role for ball progression that is Harry Winks's job and the defenders it is box crashing arriving late getting on the end of crosses being a penalty box presence now Kazade is 13 to 2 to score any time 7.5 and that that will not last once he starts playing games for Leicester. They're going to be short for, for so many games. They're rated as the strongest team in the league right now. I can't second-guess Maresca. Casade hasn't started a game yet. He's come off the bench three times, about half an hour on average. He's already had four shots inside the 12-yard line. Uh, he scored one goal already. If he starts, the 13-2 is massive, and I'll be backing it. My pick is Steffi Mavadidi of Leicester, 3.75. Spicy. What's your long shot? My long shot is um, back to the game, my NB Crawley against Tranmere. And as I said, I think with Tranmere being so defensively poor against Colchester, and given if Adkins doesn't get a um, you know a, a reaction from them and given how attacking Crawley can be in the four goals they scored last time and we know that they will continue to attack. In Danio Orsi, they have a player who I think is playing way better than we've seen him play so far in his EFL career. He was prolific in non-league at Maidstone United. I think he scored over 20 goals in a season. Got his big move to the EFL with Harrogate. Didn't really settle there. Went to Grimsby where last season he was in and out of the side and didn't really fit in. Crawley paid a fee for him in the summer. He's leading the line for them. You've got, um, with Dominic Telford having moved on, Orsi is basically unopposed for that central striker role. And he is getting into goal-scoring positions fairly consistently. His, X, his XG this season is 3.58. He has the highest XG per shot of any striker in League Two. He's had over, I think, 10 shots it is. He's only scored two goals so far. And I'm, I'm not sure he's a particularly good finisher. But I do think that he is quite comfortably the player who will profit the most if Crawley do what I think they'll do and beat Tranmere comfortably. Uh, and it's probably a matter of time until he racks up a couple of goals within a game. We saw... Um, Campbell do it last time out where he scored a brace for them against Newport um, Orsi has missed opportunities at, at times this season but in terms of the positions he's getting into for an attacking side yeah I think it, as you said it's only well you said that about Cassidy I think it's only a matter of time until Orsi begins to score more regularly if he continues to play through the middle so at 12 to 1 Orsi to score a brace uh, or two or more it is officially it's my long shot to score a brace it's been an abrasive few minutes on this podcast, that's for sure. I can feel the heat coming off you. My long shot is I'm moving away from CBs just for one week, one week only. I can't claim this is my own because it was flagged up on the NTT20 betting squad. That's the betting channel uh, that we run through NTT20 squad. It's an incredible place full of incredible people. Uh, and if you're not on it and you'd like to join it, then you can do so by joining the NTT20 squad. But Wimbledon and crew, right? It's a bet builder on the Betfair Sportsbook and it's Wimbledon to be ahead at halftime to win the first half, Crew to win the match. It's a, If you build the bet builder, it's 41.32 is the price. So just a little better than 40 to 1. I can't claim this as my own, but I can't ignore it either. I wouldn't often back a market like this. Um, I just think it's a perfect storm and worth a play. 
This exact bet would have landed in the last crew matches, uh, opposition halftime and then crew full-time. It would have also landed in Wimbledon's last match. They were winning at halftime against Stockport. They lost in the second half. Crew in first halves this season have been losing in six of seven at halftime. Six of seven times they've been behind. They've won six of seven second halves. Now, that doesn't mean they've won six of seven matches, um, but it just shows the weird discrepancy. And there's something to do with it. We've talked about fitness. We've talked about the subs bench. We've talked about tactical changes. It, it could be a mixture of those things. Um, it, it's very hard to say, but it's pretty compelling. Um, it might be completely random, and it might finish and end pretty soon. Um, but the opposition makes it even more compelling and worth a go, I think. Wimbledon are pretty good. They've been pretty good at nil-nil this season. Uh, they've been leading at half-time in two of their three home games this season, and they've failed to win both. So they have given up half-time leads at home already this season, including in the last game against Stockport. It's a trend for the last few years of this club. Tim Hansen on NTT20 squad said they lost 40 points from leading positions last season and 39 in 21-22, the two highest tallies in that category in the top four tiers across the last nine years. And they've already dropped seven points from leads in seven games so far this season so I'm not generally a massive fan of the old halftime full-time which is essentially what this bet is but using the bet builder on Betfair crew match odds pick but AFC Wimbledon halftime pick could be over by 345 but I think there's enough in both teams recent record to give this a go and it'll be a famous day on the NTT, NTT 20 betting squad mm. if it's a winner. Uh, Betfair's completely free acca continues into mid-September. Just claim the free bet via the promotions page. Build a multiple or bet builder and the free bet will be there in your bet slip. Uh, the free bet varies from one to five pounds per customer. Minimum combined odds at 1.5. And do read all the T's and C's for details. I've already claimed mine and put up a an eightfold using my uh, free bet with uh, Betfair's completely free acca. Shall we do some BTTSs? I think we should reverse the order. You go first. Because I have been letting the team down. I know. Didn't mention it in the intro. Forgot about that. Convenient. I bet uh, you did. Our fourfold last week was let down by one team, Accrington. It was my pick that did it again. In BTTS, uh, I'm going Wigan-Cambridge in League One. Uh, Wigan, exciting going forward. No doubt about that. Charlie White looks back to his sharpest in Cambridge. Not the same team away from home as they are at home. However... I think their counter-attacking style could work quite well against Maloney's Wigan team that want to play on the front foot. Wigan themselves have only failed to score once uh, and it was their last game where they went down to 10 men in the first half. So I like BTTS there at 1.73. In the championship, Huddersfield and Rotherham, this is the joint longest BTTS yes price in the whole championship this weekend. I think there's an assumption that Huddersfield under Warnock and Rotherham under Matt Taylor are quite dour defensive teams. I'm not really having that. Huddersfield certainly aren't. Their games have been very open so far this season. And Rotherham, it may surprise you to hear, have hit BTTS, yes, in every game so far this season. Wow. They concede plenty, uh, but they have done enough to score as well. So Huddersfield, Rotherham as well, 1.87. Uh, and Swindon, they're at home to Walsall. I think we know by now Swindon's tactics lend themselves to goals. Uh, 1.65 is, is short, but it's probably still longer than I expected at home to Walsall. Uh, for Swindon, it's not just about Jake Young and Dan Kemp, although they are sensational this season. But Charlie Austin's there, Russian Hepburn Murphy's there as well. They are prone to counter-attacks and to physical strikers. Step forward, Freddie Draper. We spoke about him a lot on the Monday pod, on loan from Lincoln to Walsall, uh, and I fancy him to give Swindon's backline a tough time. So my three for BTTS are Huddersfield, Rotherham, Wigan, Cambridge, and Swindon, Walsall. My three, uh, starting off with... Q 
QPR against Sunderland. Uh, Sunderland fresh off having scored five. We know they're a good team to follow for BTTS uh, with Tony Mowbray on board. Uh, but I, you know, part of this is I think QPR are definitely coming into some kind of form. They created loads of chances against Ipswich, especially in the first half of the game. They lost 1-0. We saw them go to Borough and beat them last time out. And um, yeah, and Tari Sinclair, they've got one of the most exciting players in the uh, league. And I just think that they're going to cause Sunderland probably more problems than people anticipate. So I, I think the time of Gareth Ainsworth QPR being a side to kind of get against might be over until we see a bit of a change or there might, or until there are some injuries. So QPR Sunderland, the first one. Then a couple in League Two, Wrexham at home. So have to put Wrexham in. You know, they just seem to never keep clean sheets at home, but still win the games, which in itself has to be a BTTS. They beat Donny uh, 2-1 last time. Donny, the 24th team in, in League 2. Seen them draw 5 all, seen them lose 5-3, seen them win 4-2. Like, just goals follow Wrexham home. Uh, and, you know, Grimsby aside, who we know under, under Paul Hurst are more than capable of um, causing them some problems. That's 8-13. And then finally, Forest Green against Doncaster. Forest Green have had two home games this season. They've conceded seven goals in those two games. Uh, Donny uh, conceding loads of goals, as you'd expect, away from home. But they've scored at MK. They've scored at Wrexham. In Forest Green, they've got a much you know, worse uh, defence to have to come up against there. And I do think there's a, a win on the horizon for Doncaster. Uh, and maybe it will come at Forest Green. But Forest Green should have enough, you'd think, to uh, get by a defence that have already conceded four against Newport, Newport three against uh, Notts County and others. So yeah, my three are one from the top in the championship, QPR Sunderland, two from the bottom, Wrexham, Grimsby and Forest Green, Doncaster. So you got two out of two last week and three out of three the week before. Correct. Cool. Well, good. Good. Well done. Good. Uh, the sixfold is... As follows, in the Championship, BTTS, yes, in QPR, Sunderland and Huddersfield, Rotherham. Uh, in League 1, Wigan and Cambridge, BTTS, yes. And in League 2, we've got three, Swindon, Walsall, Wrexham, Grimsby and Forest Green, Doncaster. Looks like the early season goal fest is being reflected somewhat, uh, sadly, by the BTTS, yes, prices. The sixfold is the lowest price of the season so far, is at 2478 Eight, so just a little less than 24 to 1. Uh, let me recap my selections, then we'll hear from George Bolton, my nap away at Reading at 11 to 10. Cardiff at 31 to 22.55, my next best. My goal scorer is Steffi Mavadidi. Cesare Casadei. Mavadidi's 3.75 for Leicester against Southampton. And my long shot is uh, using the bet builder function on Betfair. Uh, Wimbledon to be winning at halftime, crew to win that game against Wimbledon at 41.32. George. Cannot wait to sit here next week when Cassidy has started and scored. It's going to be incredible. Uh, Blackpool, Nap, 17 to 10. Uh, we're at, Wick at Wickham, Crawley to beat Tramier at home at 6 to 5. The NB, um, Macaulay Langstaff to score first uh, for Notts County at Salford on Friday night at 4 to 1. And then Danio Orsi of Crawley to score two or more goals at 12 to 1 uh, for Crawley in that same game at home to Tranmere. BTTS, yes, sixfold at 24.78 with the Betfair Sportsbook. QPR Sunderland, Huddersfield, Rotherham, Wigan, Cambridge, Swindon, Walsall, Wrexham, Grimsby, and Forest Green, Doncaster. Thank you so much for listening to this betting show. Uh, thank you if you've listened to the Monday pod. 
Thank you if you've listened to The Six Fix, which is our bonus podcast for paid subscribers of the EFL newsletter by NTT20. Thank you if you're a member of NTT20 squad and you're flagging things up on the betting channel that end up as long shots on the betting show. It's been a great week in NTT20 Towers and we're very grateful for your support and for the support of Betfair as well, the sponsors of this podcast. Have a great weekend. Go well.